Back Back Podcast. It is Thursday, and that means it's Nerd She Wrote. I'm your host, Dave DeFore. Joining me, as always, Coach David Thorpe. Coach, uh, had a rough week. Uh, we, were, we were just having some dog talk. Um, you got to get another dog. That's it. After, after having this conversation, you got to get another dog. Uh, I highly recommend not getting a French bulldog, though, because they're not real dogs. That's that's where I'm at on that. What what are they? I don't. They're they're like big cats. That's you know they're <laughs> you know uh, <laughs> they break too easily. Um, yeah, th- they're expensive dogs that just wind up costing you even more money. I, I, you know, my mutt cost me zero dollars. You know, if he like know, uh, that. know that yeah, if he we eats had that a, before, if he eats a stick. It's like, okay, he'll be okay in like an hour. <laughs> French Bulldog eats a stick. Oh, it's a disaster. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah it's $8,000 at the vet. It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're, they're like really, really adorable dogs. And this puppy is very cute, but man, he's a handful. Yeah. Uh, speaking of a handful, we got to start Harden. with the man of the hour, James Harden. Uh, 61 points at Madison Square Garden. Um, including a very emphatic, you know, last, you know, point 60 and 61 with the steal and the dunk to seal the game. Now what he's doing, uh, scoring is, is incredible. Okay. I'm going to give you his numbers over the last 21 games, 43.1 points, 8.4 assists, uh, 7.9 rebounds, 2.2 steals and 0.8 blocks. Uh, his usage is over 40%. He has scored 262 unassisted points in a row. That's like the last five games, essentially. So in the last five games, he's averaging 52 points a game. Is this the greatest individual offensive run since Wilt Chamberlain, you know, did all of his crazy stuff against guys that were my height? I mean, math guys could give the answer better than me. Uh, I happen to catch his game against the Sixers. And I did not see any of the game last night. I was watching four other games. But um, I followed it. My, my son actually came to my office and said I should put it on. I think maybe we'll put it on for a minute. But um, uh, it's obviously pretty pretty incredible, beyond incredible. What the Sixers did, though, is they they sprinkled in a good number of double teams on him. Now, Gordon Capella didn't play, obviously. Gordon was struggling. Uh, did the Knicks not double him at all last night, do you know? Uh, I mean, they did, but what can you do against him? Uh, well, you know, they, against the Sixers, he passed it. Uh, he had 27 at halftime. Uh, uh, some of them were a couple, I thought, gifts on the free throw line, which is not always the case. He gets fouled plenty. In this case, I thought at least three were uh, uh, just free throws he didn't deserve. But still, 27 and a half is amazing, but it took a ton of energy, a ton. And he was awful in the second half. They got, they got blown out in the third quarter. He scored 10 in the quarter, didn't even play in the fourth. Because it was so ugly, he was dead on defense. Uh, I know you're not talking about postseason with that, but I keep thinking this cannot last. Like they are not, they are not a legitimate team to be reckoned with. But all they add is a pick and roll from Capella. Chris Paul is going to have to do a lot. He's not going to be able to to last. And teams are going to take the ball out of his hands and make other people try to score. And they're so out of practice. Passing him the ball. I mean, your stat of 200 and some odd points unassisted, that's – to me, that's an embarrassment. Like, if, if you go into a game against the Houston Rockets, you've got to say to yourself, someone else is going to have to score a bunch of points. We don't care who it is. Even if they're dunks. Do something different. Uh, the Knicks – what are the Knicks playing for? They're not going to win anything. They're not going to win right. anything. Make someone else beat you unless they don't mind losing, which I think is the case sometimes. Yeah, I thought Jared Durbin made a great point on Twitter before the game. It would have been a good opportunity for Fisdale to go to like Frank Nilakina and say, "Look, look, yeah. you're gonna, I'm gonna pair your minutes with James Harden." Yeah, we know James Harden can do this. I, I want to see what you can do against James Harden. Uh, they had a, a bunch of different guys defending him, of course. Like you know, they switched, which I, I think this is a conversation maybe for for later. But I think switching now is just the laziest thing you can do. Where if you actually have a guy you want to defend him, you should fight to keep that defender on him. Um, but that's a, a different conversation. Um, but I watched Kevin Knox foul him on a step back and Walt Frazier made a great point. You're not blocking that step back. 
Why are you def- why why are you contesting it so hard? You're not really affecting it. The trick is you've got to force him into the tougher step back. And a couple times last night they did force him left, which is the tougher step back. But you've got to have legit help defense. Now, if Capella's there, he's going to get the lob to Capella, whether you know whether you want him to or not. Um, so you just got to live with that that you can defend the lob. But the truth is, what he's doing right now, I, I mean, as one guy, it, it's almost it's crazy that he's able to do it, but it's even worse that teams are allowing him to do it. I think so. I, I so I looked at my soapbox a little bit. Uh, I have broken down uh, the hard step back, and we, we can talk about it. The hard step back for three off a off right. a uh, live off a um, really off the triple threat. Like he's doing stuff. Luca Luca's coming there, but he's doing stuff I've never seen before. But um, I've stayed quiet all year on, on our. You know, we've done this almost every week. Yeah. Uh, I have a close relationship, you know, working relationship, but also a, a deep friendship with Corey Brewer. And I've been astounded that he's been unemployed all year. Astounded. Like, I'm not a stupid basketball mind. You, you can disagree with things I say. I'm surely not certainly not right all the time. But I've been blown away with my conversation with the league saying, how are how are you not signing this guy? I'm not going to mention names, but anyone anyone in the NBA that's listening to this knows if I'm talking about you. Because I've said, what are you doing? You have no one on your roster that can run and no one that can fly around and bring energy and all the other. I've, I've told teams what what I, I've talked to former players or current players. And and I do this a lot, actually, and say, who's the best team that you've ever had? And I had one guy mention Luis Scola and Mano Ginobili, two incredible teammates. And then he said, no, no, no. He's like, Corey Brewer is the best team I've ever had. He's like, definitely Corey Brewer. So I'm not going to go into why. He's got a ridiculous basketball IQ. He's played for Rick Carlisle, Billy Donovan, George Carl, on and on. I mean, I, I've been coaching 31 years, one of the smartest few players I've ever coached in, in a package that doesn't look like a professor. He's six foot nine, crazy athletic. <laughs> right, He's not yeah. some nerdy looking guy, but he, I've said to him many times, you can sound like a Tennessee hick or you can sound like a Stanford professor. He's very bright. I mean, exceedingly bright about life, but also about basketball. X, X's and O's, exceedingly bright. So package all those things in, totally selfless. He's the king of the breakaway dunk, but then leave it for the trailer for the dunk. Like he just doesn't care about me. He only cares about we, and he's not, he doesn't have a job. And so then he goes to Philadelphia on a 10 day and he texts me at seven o'clock. He's like, I'm starting because Jimmy's out. I'm going up against Harden. Well, I don't need to give him advice on how to guard Harden. I did, but they're, they're <laughs> great friends. Right. They're not good friends. They're great friends. And he played them, played for me years and whatever. And he didn't shut Harden down. Harden had 27 and a half. Corey's one of the many guys that guarded him, not just because of transition, but also switches. Sure. Uh, Corey comes in with energy and athleticism and, and commitment, all these things. And Brett Brown starts him, not just to give him a chance. I mean, he's trying to win a game. He wants to get in under Harden's skin. He doesn't want to give him 50 points without trying. I'm amazed that other teams don't value that, but also aren't doing that with someone on their own roster. By the way, he's not the only really good scorer in the league. Right. You need to have more than one guy. Right now, the Sixers, who are just going to sign him another 10-day, but and, and I don't know, he, he didn't meet up to sign with them after 10 days. He has other teams now that, that show interest, finally. Uh, why wouldn't you want two guys that can just bother you and ar- bother your, your top scoring opponent, whatever? Jimmy Butler's one guy. Right. Landry Shamit's really a talented shooter. He's, He's not very a second good. guy. Right. I think that uh, I think more teams should be doing stuff like that. I don't know what the Knicks did, but they you didn't know, do that. Corey Brewer last night in the, in the Spurs game, he had a, a great chase down contest on Derek White on a breakaway dunk. Yeah. Now he did foul him. He got him. He got him. Um, he got him in the back of the head. He the did the same thing the, the night before and didn't foul. Right. Yeah, he and, had a clean block that he had. When before. he did that, I actually thought about you because I, you know, I know that you're tight with, yeah. with Corey Brewer. And I was thinking to myself, how many guys just give up on that play? Yeah. And, you know, I'd rather foul the guy and put him on the line than just give up the dunk. That's just as a coach. Well, you have to, you just have to read it. If, right. if there's a if there's a real shot, you're gonna get it. Go after it. If there isn't, don't foul him and give him a three-point play. But uh, Corey had just made a bad turnover, which he hasn't. He's done really good considering he hasn't played. And I like the attitude of, oh, man, I'm going to make up for it. I've always I've always really liked that. 
if you turn it over, don't sulk, don't hang your head, get it back on defense. And so that's yeah. what he tried to do. Um, I think more teams against Harden is impossible because, it, and I and I think there's a way to do it. If you don't double, you have to stop reacting to his attack drives because if you react to his attack drives, that's when he's stepping back to shoot the three. You literally have to let him go by you, and then play from behind and push him into what I would call the netting. Right. Um, we're going to talk about the Spurs later. The Spurs can give him problems because the Spurs do a better job of setting that net up around the rim than any team in the league that I've seen that don't have Rudy Gobert on it. Uh, that's what you have to do. But if you react to it and try to cut him off, which is what you do against everyone else on the planet, right? he steps back. And the problem with the step back, Dave, and I've studied this pretty closely, is if you want to contest, which I agree, you should never try to block the shot. But if you want to contest, the problem is he's going backwards and then stopping. And then he's able to jump straight up. But you are going forwards and jumping, and your momentum is carrying you forward. And so you not only have the three-point shot that's worth three, but the the probability of drawing a foul isn't zero. It would be different if it was zero. It's not zero. So his points per that shot are higher than almost any shot you could take because it's worth three. He shoots it pretty well, and you get some type of free throws every game because of it too. Right. And he also, like a, like most good shooters, he actually lands slightly forward. And, and he that's the forward afterwards. Yeah. Right. And yeah. he's entitled to that space, according to the rules. Yeah. Right? Your like landing zone is part of the problem. Exactly. That's, right. that's so, what I'm saying. You're going forwards. He's jumping straight up and slightly forwards. Therefore, the landing zone is the question. Yeah, right. You're very rarely hitting his arm. Some players do. What I've told players who've called me is you've got to jump to the side. That's right. You got to go past him to, you, you to have, the left side. No other way to yep. do it. And uh, that's how I teach try to foul him. That's how I teach contesting every shot to the side, because if you're going to foul him, I'd rather you foul him in a way that's going to affect the shot. So the shot doesn't go in. Whereas the shots already gone. Exactly. So going to the side and getting a hand up. I I mean, the shame Shane Battier was so great at getting a hand in your face. Yeah. And, but if you're going toward the face, you can be far enough back that you're not going to foul. And I think that, I'd like to see guys do that. I'd love to see how Shane Battier would actually guard him because I think he's one of the smartest defenders we've ever seen in the league because he didn't have the athleticism of a lot of guys that he was guarding. But, man, he was so good at, at body positioning and, and just thinking thinking ahead. Well, the first thing you do is you got to – I think you should deny him more, and that takes energy and you have to have some depth, and that's what Corey was doing too – uh, because that makes him work to get open, and that's right. he, and and the, and honestly, if you watch that game, if you went back to the Sixers Rockets, game, yeah, do a Rocket yeah. Sixers. James took some plays off. He was fucking tired in the first half. He was tired, so because he doesn't have Chris Paul, right? So here's so what he's happened on his that. own, and he can't just relax. Uh, at the, at, and and the offense is at risk when he does relax without Chris Paul, and so he just took some plays off because he didn't feel like working to get open. Right. They clearly wanted him to not bring the ball up. I mean, they were they were having T.J. McConnell hound him uh, full court. And, and but when they got to the other end of the court, they just gave it up and he'd get the ball again. Right. Like so if he, if you're going to if you want to make him work, you've got to make him work and you've got to make him work without fouling. Uh, and that's tough because he's very, very good at drawing fouls. But if you're going to deny him, you actually have to deny him. Uh, you can't there. You can't. There's no middle ground. And they were just giving things up. And this is where the Rockets, I, I think D'Antoni, and I'm shocked D'Antoni doesn't do this more, is to let someone else bring the ball up and then get right into your pistol action and have Harden coming off the pistol right into a pick and roll. Like there are so many things that they could do that they don't that they don't have to do because teams aren't forcing them to do it. And maybe we'll see it in the playoffs. I, we I we will. We I, will. I just wish there, we could see it in the regular season. The, the, I think teams are just a, for every team's different, but I think too many teams are a little bit afraid of, of changing up what they do night to night beyond a very small degree because of confusion and other things. This is why having a core that's been, been together a long time pays dividends. You know, Memphis, uh, was, was helped by that early on before they just, they fell off the, the wheels fell off for lots of reasons. Uh, but they kind of knew who they were and they, and they had a plan in place and, and it had some continuity and that helps early on. Well, let's, let's go ahead and talk about the Spurs since we're talking about protecting the rim. Yeah. Um, the Spurs, they, they've had hit a little bit of a rough patch, but since December 1st, they've been on a nice run. 
Yeah. They're scoring well, but their defense is really the, the the thing I'm most interested in. They're scoring well because they're shooting well. Their defense with this personnel, I don't know how Pop has pulled this off. Honestly, it's the best defense I've ever seen out of DeMar DeRozan. Bryn Forbes, honestly, like, can he defend anyone? And, but he looks passable. Like, again, high effort, you know. Marco Bellinelli, never been known as a shutdown guy. Somehow, like, I don't know. Every time. Every single time that we doubt Pop is going to pull it off, he's a genius. he manages to do it. I, well, I, I don't know this. I, I don't have any friends on the team or anything. Uh, so I'm just telling you based on what I've seen, what, what it looks like to me uh, is they have a philosophy of everyone has to be mindful that someone has to be in front of the rim when they drive. Who that is varies a lot. But it, you can never just say, well, someone else will get it. Yeah, I think that's what Pop is teaching. So, so what that means is as you're defending all the different actions you see in an NBA game, you always are mindful of my responsibilities, where I'm do, what I'm doing now, and someone's got to be in front of the net as something happens near the rim. Because if you watch every single offensive possession for their opponent, you'll see that constant, and you won't see that almost anywhere else. It, it, everything's contested at the rim. Uh, and they do a great job of not fouling. They tall up. Aldridge was terrific last night against Embiid. Embiid had a great game, but he also missed a bunch of chippies. There's a whole thing I could talk about with Embiid. But this, the Spurs make you – you have to finish against them. They're not just going to bail you out typically with a foul. And it's not just going to be uncontested. They're just – everything's contested. And it's hard to make shots in, in a league with a bunch of tall guys – when they don't give you the angle. That's what we always want on offense is getting the angle. Defense want to prevent the angle from being got. And I think this is the nuance of a, of a brilliant coach like Pop to not just stress it, but to teach it effectively where everyone gets on the same page with it. Yeah, since December 1st, they're the ninth best defense in the league and the second best offense. And, and you would understand the if they were 21st in defense. Well, and they're 19th overall for the season, but well, they were yeah, they so had a, bad. Had a tough start. They lost their starting point guard, who was right. an elite defender. Derek White was in the G League last year. Nothing against that. Bryn Forbes is not. And when you look at it, a three and D guy, he's right. a three guy. Right. He's they also ha- didn't have Derek White to start the season. And Derek White right. would have been an upgrade over Bryn he, Forbes. Yeah, he's good. Derek, Derek's good. He's a good player. Yeah. No yeah, Lonnie they, Walker. And DeRozan, nothing against what Toronto did last year. It's a different system. Yeah, uh, I, I thought it was interesting. You know, he didn't play DeRozan last night um, when they were down with one second to go. One point one seconds left. Brewer makes a free throw after missing a free throw. They're up to Spurs ball at half court. DeRozan's not in the game. People made a really big deal. Mark Jackson kept hammering pop for him. Not in being there. They're only down two. They're not down three. They're down two. Pop after the game said, you know, we were going for the win, which is what I I thought there were two things. One, you're on the road. You're going for the win. Your team, you know, he definitely factors in things like fatigue. The second thing I thought about is there were actually three things. The second thing was, is he thinking we didn't expect to win this game anyway on the road in Philly? And um, let's, you know, we may be prepared to, to try to win the game down two in the playoffs when DeMar's fouled out or turned his ankle. Right. That, I don't know the answer. I'm just saying what I thought. The third thing I thought is in soccer, in the top league, like the Premier League, uh, uh, you, every athlete is monitored and they all have a red line. That red line is heartbeat, blood pressure, whatever. Doctors are monitoring that. When they hit the red line, they're out because probability for injury goes way up. And I wondered, is tomorrow at his red line? Right. I, I, I'm sure they're tracking how many miles he's running. He's playing 35 minutes a game. Right. It, you know? it, if he's, the red line is, is non-negotiable until you're at the end of the season where if a guy gets hurt, whatever, it's the last couple of games anyway. Right. Um, and even then, it's somewhat negotiable. Uh, uh, not totally. Um, I just wondered. I don't know. They're not going to tell you the answer. You're not. Pop, no. Pop said yeah. we we're going for the win. Whatever. He's not telling you the truth, nor should he. Yeah. We don't know what it was. But the the idea that he didn't put him in there for reasons that you think or is just made up because we don't really yeah. know. Uh, they couldn't get the ball in balance. It turns out anyway, the Sixers did a great job. And he's the Pop is the king of the regular season as a laboratory. So, yeah, I, like, you know, and he doesn't care about losing to Philly. Like, no, he, he just doesn't. Play them to a one-possession game yeah. with the ball with two, one second left. You know, if that's a win. If you're the Spurs, that's, in his book, that's a win no matter what happens. If you win so, the game, 
Right. But because DeMar hit the shot, what did you really learn? That he can make a shot? Well, you know you can make a shot. Right. You take a chance on something else. He might have also learned, I got to make sure that if he's got five fouls with three to play in the playoffs, I'm going to have to sit him an extra minute because I must have him in that last two minutes. I mean, you don't know what he's going through. It is a lab. Has a and DeMar is having the best season of his career to me. Yeah. I mean, 21 and a half points, which is down, you know, six from assists or something, right? Six, six point three assists, yeah. six rebounds. Again, yeah. I mean, the way that he in the last two years has has increased his playmaking. Yeah. Um, this year being like the best that he's ever been. Right. It's just, it's incredible, man. And this is not Spurs. This is me giving credit to Demar, right? Like it, it. When you're a scorer, it's hard to say, hey, I want to make sure uh, I make an effort to to get my teammates involved more. Um, part of it is the role that they've put him in, but also, I mean, he, you know, he's taking a, a dip in scoring. I mean, and, and he can get a bucket on anybody like DeMar DeRozan is, is, is automatic, a, uh, a bucket as there is in the league. Almost. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. he's well, not hard or, foul. or foul. Foul. Right. He, he didn't use it how to get fouled. Um, so last year, Jay, as Jay knows on this show with, with Haverstro. You know, I threw out the idea that I thought the team that most likely should pull a trade for Kawhi was Toronto. And I don't remember if I said this or not, but I remember thinking this many years ago. You were alive. Uh, The Buccaneers employed a a football coach named Tony Dungy. And he took us to the NFC Championship game one year. And we were relevant. We had a great defense and all that. And then he got fired. And local cameras caught him, like, packing his car at one Buccaneer place uh, uh, and made it seem like it was such a terrible thing. And I, I was doing some on t- on-air TV back then locally. I didn't have any, any sympathy for him at all because I knew someone's going to hire him and pay him even more money than what Tampa's going to pay him. This is the, the breaks of the game, but he's likely going to go. He's going to get to choose where he goes is what I said. And he's going to make a bunch of money doing it. I have no sympathy. I love them. You're great, but you'll be fine. When, when I was talking about Kawhi going to the Spurs uh, to the Raptors for probably for tomorrow. I didn't know what the deal would be. Um, in my mind, I was thinking, and DeMar is going to be just fine if he's the one, because he's going to an amazing franchise who really loves basketball. Nothing against Toronto. I'm not comparing the two cities. I'm just saying that franchise is spectacular. And I, I and this is why DeMar is playing the best basketball of his life and will be for quite some time um, in a, in a great place. It's not perfect. But it's it's a great great place. It's one of the better few spots to be. They they love him here. I mean, I I can tell you like my, Demar Rosen might be my wife's favorite player. Yeah. And it's funny because she watches quite a bit of basketball, but she she admitted she had never really paid attention to DeRozan when he was in Toronto. But we go and we'll we'll watch him play, and she's very impressed with his footwork. Yeah. Which I, I think it's funny that someone who you know I mean she understands the sport she played in high school, but yeah. That it that it his footwork is so good that it stands out. Um, I, I got Demar Derozan story for you. I was okay. in Vegas one year. He might have been in, he might have been in year what, maybe year three. I didn't, I don't think he was even playing in summer league anymore. But he just came to support the Raptors team. And uh, one of his former teammates is a, a student of mine. Uh, and we were hanging out in the in the casino uh, just have just talking. And I said, hey, I, I need to go. It was like one in the morning, two in the morning was late. And um, I don't gamble or drink pretty much in summer league except for maybe a cocktail, maybe with a, you know, with a friend or whatever late at night. Um, and he, I said, I'm going to go to my car. And, and, and this player said, I'll walk out, coach. And he's like, but I really want you to meet a friend of mine. I, I wish you could work with him. He's the greatest guy in the world. And I said, sure, whatever. And, we, and uh, it was DeMar playing. He was playing craps with a bunch of other NBA players. And like I said, maybe one in the morning or so. And uh, he was drinking water, bottled water. He could not have been more gracious. I, I don't really like players that have me sign up other players. I don't. I never use them as marketing tools. Uh, and so we didn't ever follow up on it. It was a pleasure to meet a very nice young man. He looked me in the eye, shook my hand, said I heard great things about you, whatever. But, but I, what I remember most is there was no drink in front of him, which would have been totally fine. If he was drinking, but he wasn't, he was drinking a bottle of water. And I thought, okay, that guy's a serious pro because most of the guys that I've trained in my life, um, very rarely let their hair down in a sense. They're, 
And I've told the story, I'm not going to go into who it is, but I, I once had a late dinner with two players during All-Star Weekend. They were here locally. They came down here with their families. And I ordered a drink, and one of them ordered a white wine, and the other ordered a, a light beer. Uh, while we were watching whatever game was on, it wasn't NBA because it was the NBA All-Star, but college game we were watching. And I thought I, to myself, you know, it's just, this is All-Star break. This is the time to let yourself go. You have five days before you have to go back, but... Man, they're they're veterans. They're in season. They're not they're not taking it. No, no, no. You want to you want to let your hair down for one night. It's gonna take three days to recover when you're in that good a shape. And so they didn't. They had a glass of white wine and a light beer, and that was it. And that's that's how most of these guys are. They take care of their bodies in a way that the average person doesn't. In Demar's case, I give great credit to a guy that has really grown his game from where he was as a rookie. Really well, grown his game. I mentioned this last night on Twitter. Four or five years ago, he didn't really have a left hand. And he couldn't get at the free throw line. Yeah. Look and up now, his free throw numbers. And now he has as good of a left hand as anybody. Yeah. yeah so he made a jump uh, between uh, 2013 and 2014 from five free throws a game to eight free throws a game. That's now enormous. He's back down. Now he's back down to under six free throws a game, but that's more a function of right. all the extra playmaking. Right. Um but yeah, like just the fact that that guy has added something every single summer, I, I, I have so much respect for that. It's so hard to do at like this level. Yeah. And the one thing, you know, I, I still wish he could just hit a consistent corner three yeah. even. Um, and he was doing it last year. He was at least shooting them. I don't know uh, what happened this year. He changes his – I mean you've probably noticed this. He changes his form when he shoots threes. Like yeah. there's a there's a mental thing there. Um, he really is like trying to add extra oomph to the shot where he needs to just, you know, use his legs a little bit more. That's, that's it. It's not that big of a deal. Um, so the team that they, that they lost to last night, the Sixers, um, without Jimmy Butler, they are an extremely interesting team because they, they gave up two starters in Sarich and Covington for Jimmy Butler. Good players. Really good players. Covington's an amazing player. Amazing yeah. Player. I mean. He's going to be all NBA defense. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Butler was out. They they plugged Corey Brewer in, and then Simmons looks so much better when Butler's not out there. Uh, I will say the the Simmons Embiid combo that's their money. And when we get to see that, it's great. But then Simmons without Embiid has recently been a lot better. Uh, he had a triple double last night. He had ten assists in the first half. Talk to me about the Sixers. Do you think that this team is going to be better when B Butler comes back with those with those three guys, or, or should they be staggering, trying to make sure Simmons can kind of get on a roll like he did last night? Well, I, I actually like the staggering thing to some degree. I think you should play with it um, because it makes your secondary players better, especially especially uh, when Simmons is doing it because he's such a good passer. Um, that's a fine line to walk when you're Ben Simmons because he he really him going downhill is just a it's like LeBron, he he does it in a different way, but uh, it's it, it's just a force of nature that's hard to deal with. I think that um, uh, when Butler comes when Butler comes back, Simmons can't just think okay now it's time to be game manager. No, attack, read the game. I know this from watching the last two games. Um, uh, I think Brewer is a huge dimension off the bench for them. He's starting now, but he won't when Jimmy comes back. Um, just as a veteran guy that knows how to play. he's In both games, he's had some great interior passes to Embiid that just most of their guys don't know how to make. He, he's actually, a, a, like I said, his IQ is off the charts. Uh, Embiid is so spectacular as a talent. So incredible. It, it, He's, he reminds me, I'd say he reminds me of more than anyone else. He reminds me from a general picture of, of Shaq. The game is too easy for him. The difference is this. Shaq was always lax, except for when you gave him the ball, he wanted to dunk your entire body in the, in the net all the time. <laughs> right. That's all he could do. Embiid is so gifted in so many things. Uh, that he wants to sometimes kind of show off all of his skills. Uh, Shaq's casualness when he's not trying to dunk your whole body in the net is what manifests itself away from that. 
MB does that with the ball too much. He he flicks in layups and finger rolls when he should be dunking and dunking and dunking and dunking and dunking, demanding all the time, the disposition to dominate all the time. Uh, I think Brewer will help with that. I think yeah. Butler will help with that if they if they allow that to happen. Some the, and JJ, I'll tell you, I may have told this story once before. Uh, there's a, a former Duke player named uh, Lee Melchioni. Do you remember him? Uh, White no. dude, Italian. Uh, I played at Duke when JJ Redick played. He's an agent yeah. now. He worked. He worked for Ron Tellum's comp- company. Uh, at least he used to. Um, I watched Melchioni crying his eyes out. I, I know him now as a grown man, but as a kid, crying his eyes at his last ever game at Duke. And when the CBS person, whoever was interviewed, like, you know, you're crying about your last game ever. He said, no, I'm crying because I'll never, I'll never again play with the greatest team that I've ever had in my life, J.J. Redick. So I tell you that for this. I watched J.J. Redick. You have to understand my love affair with Redick goes back a long way. We're not friends. We know each other. We're not friends. We just said hi. That's it. Um, I watched him on YouTube as a high school player. If you ever if you go YouTube that his high well, school. Well, he's from Roanoke, Virginia. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's right he, down he the was, road from me. He would. He was guarded by eleven people at the same time in high school. It didn't matter. He went to Duke, and the entire other team guarded him. It didn't matter. I, as a as a as a rookie, I had a blog. I went on ESPN when he was a rookie. That's how long he's been in the league. And I wrote something how I think he's going to be a starter for a playoff team one day. He wasn't. He hurt his back as a rookie and got a DUI, and it really screwed him. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote this piece, and certain guys destroyed me. I wasn't anyone known. I was working NBA players then, but I wasn't on ESPN. Destroyed me as I'm so stupid. Either Reddick will never be this, that, whatever. But I knew what I saw in high school and college. I knew what Lee Melchoni said. There's no excuse. This guy, as long as he recovers healthy-wise, is going to be really good. So my point is, JJ knows how to play. He's an amazing teammate in his own right. He's a brilliant shooter, scary shooter, uh, plays hard as hell. Brewer has his veteran thing. Butler's been around. He's hard-edged, but sometimes you need that hard edge. Uh, Embiid and Simmons are much more lackadaisical. If those three guys especially can can get them to realize, let's not wait to win the East. Let's focus every possession right now. Joke in the offseason, but make this everything is valuable right now. Yeah, they're good enough to win the East. I think TJ does a good job in his role. Uh, uh, It'd be nice if Simmons could shoot. He can't. That's well, a that's what I was going to get to. The on-court fit gets tricky. Yeah. Um, I like did you, when Jimmy Did you see Butler, Simmons shooting threes in that YouTube video? Before yeah. The game? Yeah. No problem. Uh, I mean, okay. Yes, he was He's not going to shoot like that in games. Right. But so he shoots left-handed, but he has the footwork of a right-handed shooter. I, it, like he is right-handed. I'm just going to. Right, was his. His right uh, feet. His, his feet. Right foot, the head of his left foot on the yeah, left side. Yeah. And it's we're already looking at his form. Yeah, I've looked at his shot quite a bit. I mean, it was one of the actually the first thing I ever wrote. uh, I was breaking down his shot. So he's uh, he's a left handed shooter. He's right eye dominant. His how do you know right? Because I I watched him shoot uh, a bunch of shots. You've you've never had him. Has he been tested for that? Well, I mean, he shoots above his right eye. Have you ever have you ever done a test? Yeah, that's different. Yeah, I have. How did how did what are the tests you use? Because I had a, I so have a the, test. there's the thumb test. Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, but you yeah. think he's right eye dominant? Basically, I do. That. Yeah, I'm not arguing. I think he's right eye dominant, and I think he's right handed. I think when you watch end of quarter heaves, yeah. he always uses his right hand. Baseball passes, he always uses his it right is, hand. It is an issue. I, I I know of a player here that, and I I coached a player many many years ago. A famous guy that's a workout guy. You you should pick a hand. Yeah. Being ambidextrous isn't good in that. No. And and, not behind three. Here's what happened, though. Someone told him early on that he was left handed and and they never adjusted everything around him. That's so strange. I I know. But, well, you know, LeBron is a lefty who plays basketball right handed. Which is fine, but all of his mechanics are built to be right handed and that's fine. So you've got to pick a way and, and but no one ever did it. I mean. Listen, he's not the first young guy to have terrible mechanics, but talent, no. right? Like Lonzo Ball, yeah. terrible mechanics. I mean, they're they're they're. Reggie mechanics sucked, right? But so there is a way. Th- this is correctable. I will say the way he shoots, he fights against his own body. Yeah, and that would be the first thing I would do is I would fix his feet and and let it go from there. I mean, just fix the feet. That's fine. He can shoot uh, from his right eye. I don't care. Shoot left handed from your right eye, but your feet have to be right. So um, he and. 
he and Anthony DeCampo both are going to be they're going to have issues in the postseason when teams just don't guard them. Right. Uh, and you can't have got, Simmons. You can't just stick him in the dunker spot because Embiid really needs to be there. Well, and, so, and he's your best passer. Well, right. But I also think I want to see more Jimmy Butler, Ben Simmons pick and roll with Simmons as the screener. Yeah, because I think he's a dangerous role, man. But then you marginalize Embiid and you throw him on the perimeter too much. This is where the fit stuff starts to come in. But but, but that's that's where if you think about what the Heat did with their big three, I mean, that's just what you have to do. The the Lakers had Kareem and Magic and Worthy. Uh, Ben can play the Magic role. Mm-hmm. Right. He, he can score 18 a game and still get other people involved Worthy knew his place. The, the, the wrestling match. And this is why going back as a Lakers fan, everyone knew who the captain was. They called him captain for a reason. So right. to me, it's one of magic's best gifts is he, he didn't, he didn't uh, uh, emasculate Kareem. He could have, right. he could have said, I'm the man. He had his own issues of, of, of showtime and all of that and getting Westhead fired and all of that. But, Kareem always knew these guys believe in me as the captain. Uh, that's different in Philadelphia, where you have Simmons and MB being young and Butler being the new guy, older by the new guy. They, you know, the, what what Dwayne Wade did is he he said, "I'm one of the best shooting guards on the planet, but I'm the second best player on on this team, which is in Wade County." Uh, and so everyone else kind of fell in line. Uh, that that's what has to happen. I, I think that Curry did the same thing in Golden State. Uh, he took a backseat to KD. It's not not so much this year, not not this year, but in the previous two years. Brilliant, brilliant by him. That has to happen in Philly, where where whoever it is, whether it's what to me it needs to be Embiid or Butler. The offense flows through the most. Simmons has the ball in his hands as he's got to get to one or the other, and then reading what's going on. I don't know if, if one of those two guys will blink, but if they do, and if Butler says, for example, I trust Embiid's maturity to be the main guy, I'll still get my 18, 20 points a game, they could win the East. But if they fight, then then they won't. Yeah, I, I think uh, Embiid is by far the, the most talented guy on that team. I mean, he's an automatic bucket inside yeah. seven feet. I would, I'm like you, I'd like to see him dunk a little bit more. Um, he can. He, yeah, he just needs to decide to do it. Yeah, I mean, but there is something special about seeing a guy his size be able to Euro step in traffic. Oh, I, I like all those things. Just talk yeah. at the end. Right. Just don't be casual about anything. That that the casualness, what we you know, you remember uh you remember the famous play where where McHale just took out Kurt Rambis? Yes. Okay. So very dirty play. I hate the Celtics cause all that because I was I don't now, but I did then. But the, as I as I've talked to my son. The urgency of the game is at its highest in the postseason, and if you think you can just turn it on, then you're you're mistaken. Yeah, right. You you've got to practice playing that way. So Embiid, somebody needs to say to Embiid when he comes back from All Star break, we need you to play every minute, every possession, like it's the playoffs. We'll monitor your minutes. We're, we're not going to wear you out, but you've got to get used to playing with that kind of ferocity, that kind of intensity, that kind of purpose. If you do that, you're going to have the best postseason you could possibly have, and that'll help us win. And this is where being in the East, I think, actually hurts these teams that are in the East. They don't get that playoff intensity. We didn't plan to talk about this, but since you brought it up, I'm going to bring it up. You watched Utah-Denver last night, right? Just a little bit, yeah. Okay, I I watched a bunch of games before that. I know about the game, though. That fourth quarter was some of the best basketball I've seen all regular season. You want to talk about playoff intensity? That's exactly what it was. Those are two teams that will be ready when the postseason comes because they have to play. I'm a big believer in that too, Dave. I'm a big believer. I've said this many times when I was covering uh, games for ESPN that who you just played really helps dictate how game one goes. Just a quick backstory in college. When Jim Calhoun first was at Connecticut, his teams were playing so incredibly fast. And they were playing the Gators in the 94 Sweet 16 down in Miami, which is like, a, 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 you know, Florida South. It's five right. hours south of the campus. And uh, Florida's starting center played for me four years in high school, a very famous player named Demetri Hill. So my wife and I drove down to the game. I talked to the coaches before the game, and they were petrified that they were not going to be able to play as fast as Connecticut plays. They just couldn't simulate it. And they were right. Connecticut blew our doors out. Luckily, we hung in there close enough 
to give Daniela Marshall a chance to miss two free throws right. uh, in the last seconds of the game. And we hit a three and won the game. It was great. We went to the final four that year. But I've never forgotten that lesson of what you've done up until now creates that, that preparation for right now. And I've looked at the NBA postseason the exact same way. The level of play you've been forced to play at helps in game one. And so I think you're right. In that NBA Finals series, likely, not definitely, because we'll see. With Toronto, Boston, Philly, Milwaukee are probably legit. So they're going to have their own issues in the Eastern Conference Finals, more so than the, than the NBA Finals when they play each other. Whoever gets a better challenge earlier on will have a better chance to win game one, much better chance. And that's a big step into winning the whole thing is winning that game one. Well, and this is where the Warriors might be a little bit vulnerable because they don't have any real threats. Um, I actually think that the team that could they they would still lose in four or five games, probably four games. But the Kings would probably push them a little bit more than, let's say, the Lakers in the first round. And it's it push them in a different way because the Kings like to get up and down the court. They're going to they're going to play super hard. You know, yeah. one of those if you sleepwalk, you can lose that game. Exactly. Whereas yeah. with the Lakers, they won't sleepwalk. No, they'll respect their opponent more but but toronto boston philly or milwaukee are gonna actually have to beat two of those other teams yeah. to get there then and that the will help them that preparation this year that first round might be a, a mess uh i i think you're right i think that uh and and so just to finish the thought on on yeah, simmons yeah. not the Capo, that lack of shooting that both of them have and the form is an issue for both of them is gonna bite themselves in the postseason the difference is Embiid and Butler on one team. Milwaukee's got Middleton and Bledsoe who are playing fine. Bledsoe more so. But uh, I, that couple I, to me has got to improve his game for, for them to, to be the threat that I think the other teams will be. He is shooting better from three month by month as the season yeah, goes along. That. I saw that today. Yeah, so I, I that, six threes this month. Well, he's only taken 21 though. So, you know, uh, Harden was five yeah. of 20 last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, D'Antoni said this. I said this on air. I heard him speak to Zach Lowe, and he said he tells Chris Paul and Harden if uh, if they go under a screen, take seventy. You know, he's yeah. just he's speaking in, in hyperbole, but his point is you'll never hear any guff from me if you shoot a three, especially if you're him. open. Yeah. Well, he gets himself open now. Yeah. A lot of people talk about getting his own shot. Man, very few guys can get their own shot and make it a bunch. Right. Especially from that distance and, and, and that kind of competitiveness in the defense. Guys can get their own shot all over the place. That, Austin Rivers gets his own shot. Can't make them. Right. They're not that open. He can get it, he can get it off. You get no points for getting shots off, though. We could have gone an hour just on hard, I think. Um, so, okay, you, you mentioned uh, in Philly these guys sort of uh, taking a – Butler and Simmons taking a step back, recognizing Embiid is really the guy on that team. How do you feel about Oklahoma City and Paul George being the guy on that team? Do you do you see this He's dynamic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But have you have you watched the dynamic with him and Russ? I can't. I, I mean, I've heard about it. I, yeah. it. It seems obvious to me. Russ is accepting it. We don't really know what what's going on behind the scenes. If he if it's because he doesn't feel as healthy, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, I know this. I looked it up. I, I think I'm even working down. Maybe it was yesterday that uh, when George is off the t- off the court. They're minus 10.7 per, uh, per 100 possessions when he's on it, plus 10.6. There you go. When, when Russ is off the court, uh, they're minus like one and change. Now, when he's on, they're plus nine. Right. But they're not a mess when he's off the court like they are when George is off the court. And I think Paul George is right there, top three, top two for defensive player of the year. I agreed. I, listen, I've been – champion uh the the champion of paul george as mvp candidate now he's not in, on the Giannis harden level okay there are tears to it I, I, but he's he's pretty close he's right behind him yeah it's because we undervalue defense nobody will will appreciate it but and their team isn't nearly as good I, I, let's take mvp out of it i don't like sure. him talking about it what if you just looked at most outstanding player overall so you so you didn't factor in how the team's doing i think paul george is right there yeah, he's not as been as good as Harden. He's no. not been as good as Giannis, but he's he's just like you said. He's he's in that conversation, and we still have thirty plus games left. Right, he could get he's there. He's been fantastic, yeah. and and you can watch at the end of games, the team goes to him. Yeah, and he's delivering, and, and on both ends of the court, it, it's he's he's been fantastic. 
And it just went, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to bring up the Lakers for like two seconds. The Lakers have to feel like idiots for not trading for Paul George two years ago. That's it. That's why because, I think they should trade for Davis now. If they yeah. just assume it's a mistake. Uh, so, so think about what you just said about Paul George being there for them late. Uh, there was a time where LeBron couldn't win the big one, and then he did, right? Dirk can't win the big one, and then he could. KG can't, and then he did. Uh, we have to stop listening to the the so-called media experts who are just writers throwing right. shit about basketball when they brand a player like that. Uh, Paul George was not clutch. He was not, uh, you know, can't be the best player on a really good team, whatever. Wrong and wrong. He's fantastic. He, you're allowed to get better. You, you aren't, you, 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 who you are is just who you are now. We have to stop putting ceilings on guys, especially early in their careers. Uh, you brought the Lakers up. Don't tell me, you know, who Brandon, Brandon Ingram is. Don't right. you dare suggest to me that, you know, did you think Julius Randle was going to be this good? Probably not you personally. Right. Probably not. Right. Ryan Anthony Davis. We didn't know what kind of score he would be. Right. Thought he might be great, but some people thought maybe not. Uh, man, hard work. It's it's like um, it's like Tommy Lee Jones' character on Men in Black that we've talked about. Uh, you know, 500 years ago, everyone just knew the earth was flat. You know, 800 years ago, wherever it was, everyone just knew that the sun revolved around the earth. And he says, five minutes ago, you just knew we were alone in this universe. Right. Imagine what you'll know tomorrow. Man, we well, don't know shit. And the thing is, we we talk about this all the time with rookie point guards and how they, they need the game to slow down, and this is why you can't judge them this early. How about any player in the NBA? The game is going to slow down as you get more experience. right? This and, is, and they can work on their skills, like you mentioned with DeRozan. Yeah. DeRozan out of the left hand and learn how to get fouled. Real, real, I mean, eight a game is elite level. Five mm-hmm. a game is good. Eight, yeah. eight a game is elite level. And he got there for a few years. Yeah. You're allowed to get better, but it's also a big place, a big uh, – uh, I was thinking about this earlier. For those that don't appreciate what a coach can do for you, uh, think about what did Jeremy Lin and Steve Nash and James Harden have in common? Mike D'Antone. Yeah. How, yeah. how would you like to be Chris a Duhon. point guard a contract year playing for that guy? Chris Duhon. Yeah, I mean, he, right. Like, right. I always wanted J.J. Redick to play for D'Antoni because yeah. I felt like he could have scored a 35 a game. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so Oklahoma City uh, – they, they're they're scuffling a little bit. They've hit like a, a rough spot of their schedule. Their schedule actually is going to be very difficult from here on out. Um, I don't think they're going to be, uh, you know, a top three seed in the West. I just don't think they've got that kind of higher end talent. Um, but Ferguson has been fantastic for them. You just talk he about was the awesome start the year. Yeah. This is another guy who didn't look great last year. Didn't look good the first two months of the season. But now they can't pull him out of the starting lineup. When Andre Robertson comes back, they're going to have, you know, they're going to well, have an if issue. If he comes back. Well, right. I, uh, I speaking of which. Even, what do they know about it? Do we, they, boy, still they're saying? They were going to reassess him this month. Uh, speaking of which, uh, Shams just tweeted that uh, Victor Oladipo ruptured his quad tendon. Really? And, uh, and patellar tendon. What do they say? Prognosis, yeah. though. Uh, I mean, the quad, it'll, it would be a year. Really? So, yeah. I mean, it, that's basically Tony Parker kind of came back kind of fast. But to be 100 percent, it's it's going to be, you know, 10 months to a year. Wow. Yeah. I watched that, a lot. That's actually the injury. It looked like a quad tendon. To me. I tweeted this last night. It looked like a quad tendon at first. But then when you saw his knee, I mean, I don't want to get into it because I, I did not think the injury came when he landed. No, I it thought, was when he took off. Yeah, because he fell down. Like, you, you, when you get injured sometimes, it looks like you've been shot. Yeah, like he, he did exactly not finish the movement. when he. I watched it live with my son, and I said he hurt himself before he landed. It wasn't a bruise or anything. So I did not know what it was. I'm not a doctor, but, but I, that's terrible. Yeah. What, what does Indiana do? Do they go after Mike Conley? Well, all right. So to, that's, that's actually why I brought it up because I wanted to talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, Mike Conley, he's got a huge contract. Yeah. And they would have to give up a lot of depth. Yeah. To get it's him. not easy to get him. No. And, and he would be great. Like, I, I think Mike Conley is going to help whatever team he winds up on. But they would be hamstrung because of that contract yeah. next year. 
Um, I'm of the opinion, and it's tough to do. It's easy for me to say as an analyst, oh, hey, just uh, sell off your assets that you have. Who cares? You, you still probably wind up being seven or eight seed. Um, but trade off the guys like Bo, uh, Boyan that you can get something for them. Tank next year. Do the Spurs, you know, Tim Duncan route. But next year's draft sucks. Plain and simple from all my draft guys that I've talked to. You next mean 2020? 2020 draft is going to yeah. not be good. Um, but also, it's easy for me to just say that. But to do that in, in Indianapolis means something different than doing that in Philadelphia or New York or L.A. I think that they're going to try to find a stopgap. But who's out there? I mean, you know, like could they get DJ Augustine and could he give them 75 percent of Victor Oladipo? Maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the issue is that this is a weird year. You've got a lot of buyers. Um, they don't have a ton of assets that they that they can afford to lose. Well, their their job is to to, to know their team better than anyone, and, and what metrics are working for them. I, I I would hate to see them not try to win, uh, but they should not hamstring their future to, Agreed. to just find a way to win. When I said to my colleagues, it would have to be a deal that works. I, I looked at the trade machine. I didn't I didn't see one. I wouldn't force it. I'd uh, find a way to win. Miles Turner's got to score more points. Tyreek can score more points. Um, I like the idea of Conley or Holiday. They ever had Holiday once as a uh, as a as just an upgrade over Collison for when Oladipo coming back. You're thinking about that big picture, but you can't do it at the expense of what you've got going on. They still can finish. There's still a big difference between them and the teams below them, um, record-wise and everything. I just don't know if they can hold water too much. I mean, Oladipo is by far the best player. Yeah. And it's tough. I, I hate, first of all, I hate to see a guy like old Depot get hurt. Yeah. Um, especially since he really is coming to his own as a player the last two seasons. I mean, he's, he's an, an all-star level player the last yeah. two years and he was getting better. Um, you know, the hope, I, my hope is that he comes back and he's healthy right away, but God, the quad is just, it's so rough. I don't know. I've not had many guys with it, but it's, uh, yeah, I've, I always just get a sick feeling when I see guys get hurt. I just, I know having, doing what I do for a living, yeah. I mean, when my sons had to miss, you know, a game, uh, it, even just a practice, it just destroyed him. And he's just a high school kid. Uh, for these guys, it's everything. It's so hard to be hurt. Yeah, it's, I don't know. It, it makes me sick to my stomach when I watch yeah. these guys go down like that. Um, so uh, let's see. Um, Portland. Yeah. Now I'm back on track. Sorry, I got a little little thrown off there by the Oladipo news. Uh, the the Blazers are a team that I am constantly doubting. Every time I watch them play, I'm like, how is this team in the playoffs? How is this team the four seed? <laughs> and then there's one guy that I come back to. Lillard. Damian Lillard. He is, at this point, he is a rising tide like LeBron and I'm not saying the same level, but he, he keeps that team afloat when, when nothing's going for him. CJ McCollum has had a terrible season by his standards. Nurkic has actually been really good. That's it. That's it. It is, it is Damian Lillard and Nurkic. Can they just make a move? Yeah. That's why I want to get CJ McCollum on another team. I think they could actually send him out for two good pieces and be a better team. And this is no knock on CJ. I think CJ is a very good player, but I, I think that he would be more valuable to them if they could turn just him into two, two starters or, or a starter and a good bench guy. That's what I wanted to bring him up, uh, is, um, what can they do? Uh, because there they are, they're in fourth place. They've been in third. They were in third last year. They finished third before the postseason. They got, you know, beat by the Pelicans. Um, and they're, they, to me, they're just on the cusp of being two. They're not going to be one. What can they do to be a two? And this is how I would think about it. How can we get to be the two seed and have a team be intact so that when Golden State changes, they're going to change. It doesn't mean you'll start beating Golden State, but they're going to change. And the hope is that when they change, maybe we can then inch up and be, and be more comparative with them. Uh, and CJ seems to be the answer. Uh, and I've not, I've not played with this in a while. I have suggested a CJ for Beal trade straight up. They're not fair 
it's not a fair exchange. No, you have to get much a better. two involved because obviously the Wizards are giving up the better player. But that's out the window now with John Wall being hurt. Um, but that, if Portland could could have done that, if Portland could have said, we'll give you our, our first and CJ and pick another player or whatever and get back Bradley Beal, then I think they're the second best team in the West. Because of they, If they have Bradley Beal for CJ. Because of Lillard. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Bradley Beal will be your second best player. Right. Nurkic is your third best player, and they got Damian freaking Lillard. Yeah, he's so, incredible. He's just somebody an asked me. Talent. People, someone don't, asked me uh, to to who's better, Lillard or Kyrie? I, I like Damian Lillard better because of the fouls. I don't really know. <laughs> I didn't break it down the line more. I'd, I'd have to. Yeah, It'd be unfair for me not to do that. But my 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 gut feeling is I just like Damian better. First of all, I don't like. I don't like that Kyrie, I don't like what he did regarding calling LeBron. Oh, okay. Like, I don't care if you call LeBron. Oh, I think it's great. It. Don't tell us. That, that's a passive aggressive way of pissing on your teammates. Well, you know, I, I tell you what, I tell you what they're saying. Fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> like, you need to call LeBron on us. What are you, our dad? This is, this is where we need. Fuck. We need Jade to chime in because this is clearly a staged social media event. Uh, they've got the documentary coming out about the 2016 championship team. So they needed to drum up interest. What? Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, for sure. That's a whole thing. But also it was very passive aggressive toward his young teammates. <laughs> what if you did, what if you did this deal? I'm just playing, right? Of course it is. That, that, of course it's passive aggressive. That's right. Yeah, that's the anger. What if you did, um, what if you did Beal and Dwight Howard, and the money doesn't quite work, but it, it might work, for uh, C.J. McCollum and Zach Collins. So the Wizards get a quality starting two guard who is a nice enough guy to work out with John Wall and a very talented young power forward. And, and, the, and the Blazers lose a quality player like, like uh, uh, both C.J. and Zach, but they get Beal. I mean, I think that it definitely makes Portland better. I don't think it makes the Wizards better. I, I'm not, I'm not out on Zach Collins, but I don't, I don't think Zach Collins is going to move the needle at any point in his career. I mean, he just turned 21. Dude. I, I know, but it, it's no, just I like think, I, think I don't know. If, he may not be good in Washington. I don't think it's a great franchise. Right. I, I also, I, I'm not saying that he's not an NBA player, um, but I don't think he's going to be like. Uh, He's not going to be Bradley Beal. Now, that that is no, but a hot if you take. get and you get a first. So Portland does Portland do a well, first and Zach and again. Portland but that first isn't is, going to be worth as much. It's going to be um, a late first, right? Absolutely. So, but we've seen late first be good players. The that's first true. Is starting one. It's true. But the Spurs are starting one at point guard. The odds. I pick from last year who was a G League player. Now he's starting and anchoring a hell of a team in San Antonio. Okay, but the odds are that you don't get a good player late first. And also the Wizards are not the Spurs. No, I, I think I, the Wizards I, know that. Everything up. I agree with Yeah, you. the Wizards have to know that they're not the Spurs. Yeah. I mean, I guess self-awareness is not necessarily something that the Wizards are great at because they brought Dwight Howard into that locker room. Yeah, and the Wizards don't have to do anything anyway. Portland does. Yeah, Portland. The Wizards, the Wizards have a year off now because of John being hurt. Portland needs to do something, uh, and and because Damian is just that. And Nurkic, I'm a big fan of Nurkic. Jade, Jade and I did a video uh, years ago. I was called the. It was right when the Avengers was coming out, the Age of Ultron. Yeah, I was calling it the Age of Nurkic because <laughs> he's a really talented player. Yeah, but he's. I mean, he's fine. Do you think that, uh, I mean, is he like a franchise center? Uh, no, there's not many, but, right. but, but he fits what they need with Damian really good. His, and, de- and his Nur- defense is off the charts for them. And I haven't looked up Nurkic's age, but he, he's young. 23, something like that. 24. Yeah. I would say 23, 24. Yeah. He turned 24 in August. Yeah. He's young. Um, that he's 15 and 10 now. And I don't think he really knows what he's doing. And he's also I, not been serious for long. He yeah. was kind of a clown. He may still be a clown, but he was a clown for sure. I actually like the edge he plays with. Um, yeah. I, I think that that's something that that a lot of guys are missing, and it can take it can take a guy with less talent and actually make him seem even more talented. You know, just uh, by playing I, hard all the time. I'm a big believer in edge. 
big, big, big believer in edge, uh, uh, to make up for lots of things. Um, they've, they've not been the defensive team that they, they were uh, last year. I thought they would be, uh, Nurkic should anchor a very good defense. He's so big inside. Um, I just would like, like I said, I'd like to see Portland get that, get a second all-star to play with, with Damian before he starts going down a little bit with his, you know, because of age. Cause he's, he's just an amazing player. He or just, before. it's like, it's like, uh, some of these great tennis players when they, when they were playing behind like Borg and McEnroe, you know, Yvonne yeah. Lendl and these great players, they just, Steph Curry is so good, right? Harden's so good. And Portland's out West. Damon Lillard is just phenomenal. Well, and they may stand to benefit the most in the West from KD leaving Golden State. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying they complete, but but not as strongly structured. They won't. No, be, they've got to upgrade a little bit, and then they could be there if Golden State does drop it all. That's exactly yeah. how I feel. Yeah. Well, I think we we kind of covered everything that we could possibly cover this week. Uh, trade deadline is two weeks away, actually thirteen days away. Um, yeah. That's going to be exciting. And, uh, yeah, you got any closing thoughts for us this week? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, we can maybe do maybe next week. Let's do a trade or two weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah. One last trade. Uh, so I, I put this on Facebook, by the way, if anyone is listening, um, I do, I am pretty active on Facebook. Uh, David B Thorpe is my name on Facebook and I do a little political stuff and I, I have, I'm an old man. I have lots of friends who are still alive, thankfully. And, and we connect in a lot of different ways, but um, I also try to get uh, a little more serious about things in life. I don't really tweet anything, but typically NBA stuff. Although yesterday I tweeted about Ghostbusters three. I don't even know why I did. I've never tweeted anything about NBA before ever. Um, Wait a second. They're doing Ghostbusters three with the original cast, right? Minus uh, Harold Ramis, which Harold is what I tweeted. Right. They should they should make him in, into a ghost working with them. They, the science allows that now. Yes, you that's could easily tricky, create though. a Harold Ramis ghost in three in three D two. That's uh, tricky though. It would be sure. I mean, it wouldn't be tricky to do it. It'd be tricky to get the voice right. Well, right. I mean, they can do anything on animation. Um, but anyway, um, uh, and I wrote this on Facebook today. I, I someone mentioned to me recently. It's like National Mentorship Month, and being an older coach and been around a long time, I, I I've been mentored by some pretty amazing coaches only some of which are very famous guys. Some are not at all known, but they were incredibly important to me. Division two coaches, high school coaches, whatever. Um, uh, my old boss, my, my very first boss who passed away, I dedicated my book to him and my wife because he gave me a chance to really coach like crazy and not just put me in the JV position. He let me coach all of his varsity guys too. Uh, but now being an old guy, I get a chance to mentor a lot of other men and some women that are one, 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 one girl right now, is looking to get a job at the NBA and she's terrific. And, um, uh, it's just a kind of a challenge to everyone out there that, that the, by you trying to be a mentor, it's really a selfish thing. Uh, I, I got three different texts this week from people that I've, I've helped, um, telling me that the strategy we came up with worked for their team. One's in Australia, one's in Oakland and one's in 20 minutes away from me. Uh, uh, reading those texts of a coach that worked, they didn't necessarily take every idea I had. We talked about some things. I made some suggestions. They did some things on their own. It, it led them to big wins. It felt so good to me, especially knowing how good it felt to them. And one, one friend said to me, he's a, he's a great coach. He said, um, I didn't realize I needed a pep rally, but uh, you gave me a pep talk and I didn't, I wasn't trying to do it that way. I helped him believe in himself. And he had kind of stopped. He had forgotten to believe in himself. And he wasn't challenging himself to do as much teaching as I thought he could. And I said, you're a great teacher. You should teach more, uh, meaning on the court. And so he said he got back to it and it really led to a big win, uh, kind of a signature win for their season, which every coach should strive for. When you have a young team that's not very good, try to get that one signature win that you can build on. That's what I said to him. And so he, he texted me, we got it. We beat a team that we, we just had lost to. We played them again three nights later and beat them. Uh, and uh, this is what we'll build on the offseason. So it's a reminder to those listening, reach out to others. Uh, if you're in the, involved in this game, it's our culture is that we share everything and, uh, and allow yourself to be mentored. I certainly have, I'd listen to anyone that's willing to teach me anything we can argue, but I'm always gonna listen to you. Uh, it's very much a part of, our, I think our business of basketball. 
That's actually the number one thing that people talk about when, when, like at summer league, when you're, when you're talking to people, you know, I do that sports business classroom program and we have a lot of people that pop in and they do it of their own free will and just, they make the time to do it because someone did it for them along the way. Right. Um, and it's, I mean, I try to do the same thing. This is why I probably say yes to way too many podcasts. Uh, but keep asking because I'll keep saying yes. Um, you know, because people, a lot of people said yes to me when I was starting this stuff. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciate that sentiment and, and I try to do the same thing. So, uh, that's it for this week. And, uh, we'll be back next week with another nerd she wrote. Thank you, coach. Thank you, Jade. I'm Dave DeFore. We'll catch you guys later.